You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Amen, amen. Please open your Bibles to Matthew 5. I love that beautiful recap video there of the Beatitudes. We're going to wrap up the Beatitudes today. Lord willing, um, as we've gone through the Beatitudes, such an exercise of spiritual health. Um, I really hope that has been the case for you as we've gone through this. Beatitudes are special, um, so powerful and so needed. We're going to have uh, one final Beatitude couplet we're going to unpack today. This is uh, expressed in our sermon title. Our sermon title is The Peacemakers and the Persecuted. The Peacemakers and the Persecuted. And both of these, listen, both of these are guaranteed to know the blessing um, of God. Jesus has said that all throughout. In Matthew 5, again, in the Beatitudes, he's like, hey, this is the life that I will bless. And I want to make sure that we understand that. I want to make sure that we see that. Um, I want to make sure we can't really say it enough, okay? So I'll just say it one more time at least, and many times hopefully in the years to come as well. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3 to 12, he's like, I guarantee to bless the individual, the man or woman who follows this path. Like, I guarantee contentment. I guarantee joy the world has no idea about. I guarantee a happiness, he says. I guarantee a fulfillment. He's like, you cannot go wrong. It is a hard path. It is a narrow path. It is an anti-worldly path, but it is the path of Jesus Christ. And he's like, I guarantee that your life will be blessed as you obey me and seek to have character in your life founded on such foundation. And let me say this too, church, okay? This is so important. We're going to wrap up the Beatitudes today, but we never, ever move on from the Beatitudes. Again, they are the very foundation of character, which then leads to conduct. There's a reason the Sermon on the Mount starts with the Beatitudes, because everything else that is to come, without the foundation of the character, the conduct will not happen, okay? I'll say it again. Don't ever move on from the Beatitudes, Find a way to come back again and again and again to remind yourself of the person that God guarantees to work in. I think about this stuff, I mean, certainly weekly, if not daily on some form or another. I cannot tire of reminding ourselves and our leaders and staff and family, whatever, this is the person that God guarantees to work within. So you put all your eggs in the basket of the attitudes. Listen, you're going to be good. It will not be easy. In fact, it will be hard, but you'll be good. And more than good, you'll be blessed. You will be blessed as only Jesus Christ can do, as only the Holy Spirit can fill. Again, the world has no clue what this is about. But Jesus says, that's the point. My kingdom is not like this world. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is so different and set apart. But it is a kingdom of eternal contentment, joy, fulfillment, and blessing. So we wrap up today, but we never wrap up in that sense. All the way till when Christ returns, God help us. God help us. Matthew 5, uh, verses 9 to 12. Take a look. Bible's open, I pray. Pen's ready. Eager to be changed by the very word of God. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amazing. Verse 11, blessed are you and others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Notice, on my account, Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. Why? Your reward is great in heaven. And be encouraged because they persecuted the prophets 
who were before you. It's not just you or me or us. This has been happening for a long, long time. The reward is great in heaven. So here we go. We're going to see the blessing of God is guaranteed. Again, the blessing of God is guaranteed. Uh, Number one, for who? For those who are promoters of peace. The blessing of God is guaranteed for peacemakers. Guaranteed for those who promote peace with their lives in the name of Jesus. Again, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's start with this truth here today. Okay, ready? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the single greatest promoter of peace in the history of the world. Jesus Christ, after all, Isaiah 9, is prophesied as the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He came. Again, maybe you're new here at the church. Maybe you haven't been in church ever before. I'm so glad you're here. Maybe you're searching out the Christian life. I'm not sure. Again, so, so glad you're here. Man, if you know anything, again, in this life, the reason Jesus Christ came was to live a perfect life that you and I could not, because we have sin, and to die a death on our behalf that our sins might be forgiven, what? That we might have peace with God. Jesus Christ came to bring peace between sinful man and a holy God. The cross, again, he dies on, allows man now to be brought back together to God in peace with him. See, Christmas is about peace. Think about that. When the angels announced to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace. Some of you have heard that from Charlie Brown many times, right? Right? And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The purpose of Christmas is God loving humanity to make them at peace with him that they are reconciled back to God. When Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, he says multiple times to his disciples after he was raised from the dead, defeating death forever, he shows up to his disciples and he says, Peace. Be with you. Okay, now just live in the text for a second, okay? You're a disciple. Friday happened. Jesus died. You are beside yourself in grief and mourning. This Messiah, he's dead. And you didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't understand the resurrection at that point. Jesus is raised from the dead. They see the resurrected Jesus Christ. He appears to them. He says, peace be with you. You see him. You believe it. Imagine the peace you would feel in that moment. You'd be like, ah, oh, yeah, we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. Our Savior has died. He died for our sins. He's been raised from the dead. Sin, death, and Satan has no hold on him. He is the king of the universe forever and ever. I belong to him. I like my chances. Peace. Like, honestly, can you imagine the peace they would have felt as Jesus says, peace be with you? And they're like, let's do this, man. This is exciting. That's what Jesus Christ brings as well. Romans 5, Romans 5. For we've been justified by faith, not by works, Not sure who's here today again. If you come in thinking you can earn your way to heaven by good deeds, wrong, not in the Bible, not in the Bible, not in the Bible. Here's what is in the Bible. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, and therefore we have peace with God through, again, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ came. So before, maybe maybe you're here right now, maybe you're not saved in Jesus Christ. Again, so glad you're here, but I pray today, today your life changes, maybe overflow, maybe watching in Orangeville. If you don't know Christ, the Bible says, Romans 5, we're not at peace with God. We are actually enemies of God. We are at enmity with God because of our sin that's not forgiven. But you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden, all that sin is cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And forgiveness is yours. And now you are at peace with God because you have believed in the one who forgives your sins. His name is Jesus Christ, and he was raised from the dead. 
See, Jesus Christ is the greatest peacemaker ever. He is the single greatest promoter of peace the world has ever known. One more verse, Romans 16, says this, and the God of peace, fascinating, and the God of peace, listen, will soon crush Satan underneath his feet. Amazing, eh? The God of peace, the author of life, salvation, and peace, will soon return through his son, Jesus Christ, and destroy the author of evil, Satan, the author of disorder, Satan, the author of all, again, deception and chaos, Satan, the devil. He will crush him and thereby establishing, this is our hope for the peace to come, the peace we feel in Christ, but the ultimate peace that is to come with the return of Jesus Christ, where Satan is once and forever crushed, and we see Jesus Christ forever face to face in eternity. Man, the Bible, the gospel, Jesus Christ has a lot to say about peace. Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. He has come to bring peace. So he is the greatest promoter of peace. But listen, for those of us who are saved now in Jesus Christ, blessed are the peacemakers, we are called now to bring this message of peace to a lost and dying world. We carry with us the message of peace. That is the gospel of peace. We are called ambassadors of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5. We have been tasked with the mission to make disciples, to witness to people that they might have peace with God also through Jesus Christ alone. Let us remember that Christ is the peacemaker. We are commissioned now to be peacemakers in this sense, to bring the gospel to those who desperately need peace as well. I've been renewed recently and just uh, hearing a teacher preach and just anyways, just renewed in my life to do this. And I want all of you to share in this as well. I want all of us as peacemakers, promoters of peace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want all of us to have five people that we are at least five, five people we are praying for on a regular basis who need the peace of God in their lives, who need to be saved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're already doing this. Praise the Lord. Keep it going. Keep it going. I have my list on my phone. And I am dedicated and resolved to be praying for at least five. There's going to be more. But at least five people that I want so much to see salvation enter their lives and for them to know the peace of God that is through faith in Christ. I want all of you who are part of this church and who are truly saved in Christ to do the same thing. Can you imagine if all of us did that? If all of us regularly prayed for five people. Do you think God would hear that prayer? Yeah, he would. Think God would use that prayer? Yes, he would. And he will. He will. The power of even that right now, because what? We are promoters of peace. We are peacemakers. We have the gospel of peace to a world that is desperately searching again for the truth, that they might be reconciled to the Lord. There's so many out there who are waiting for us to be used to share the message of peace for those who are stuck and lost in their sin. So Jesus Christ, the promoter of peace, we carry the message of, pre, of peace. And But I think what's happening too is we sing, blessed are the peacemakers. Okay, I think what's really happening within this verse, in verse 9, is that we are to be promoters of everyday peace. And what I mean by that is, is that we are to be promoters of relational peace and interpersonal peace peace. Everything I said thus far is so true, obviously. Christ, the Prince of Peace, we carry the gospel of peace, but I think what Jesus is mostly saying is the emphasis that we would promote peace in our lives on an everyday basis, relationally and interpersonally. You could say it this way. 
His peacemaker are those who promote peace or preserve peace where it is, and also who promote peace where it is not. I'll say that again. Here's the peacemaker according to, again, Christ. We seek to preserve peace where it is and to promote peace where it is not. Think of it this way too, church. Ready? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and Yes, and peace, right? And you think the fruit is not individual fruits. It's a one fruit that's kind of all together in a cluster, so to speak. So love, joy, peace, right? Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things promote peace. They all promote one another. The more we have the Holy Spirit living in our lives, the more we are being used to promote peace in the lives that we are engaged with on a daily basis. It's so beautiful. That's what the Spirit does in our lives. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is where we are encouraged what? To forgive. We are encouraged to encourage others. We give grace. We reconcile with others. We speak well of others. We believe the best of other people. That's what love does. All of these things create more peace in our lives. Here's a good question for us today, too. A good question for us today is this. Would you say, would you say, in all honesty, before the Lord, right now in this place, listening wherever you are, would you say that you are more of a peacemaker or a peacetaker? Would you be someone who promotes peace mostly around you or someone who removes peace in the situations you define yourself? Another way to say it is, would you classify yourself as a promoter of peace or a disturber of the peace? I mean, if you really want to know, ask someone who you live with, right? I mean, that's, that's what, if you want the honest answer, and they should be able to give it to you to people who know you quite well. Are we peacemakers or are we peace? Takers, a promoter of peace or a disturber of the peace? It's interesting, you know, disturber of the peace. We have bylaws set up in all these communities against those who disturb the peace, primarily around noise. Because what happens? A disturber of the peace is annoying and disruptive and kind of ruins the peace that people. Well, a disturber of the peace spiritually, there's bylaws in our communities. There's the law of God before us right now. And disturbers of the peace, man, they create a lot of havoc. They are annoying. They are disruptive. They create division. They go in there and use the flesh and Satan to really disrupt the things of the Lord and create such hurt again for the church and families and relationship and marriage and friendships and on and on and on. What do peacetakers do? Peacetakers are the ones who gossip. They're ones who whisper about others. They are ones who move in selfishness, who slander, who intentionally try to create division Disturbers of the peace are those who are fueled by jealousy and envy and fits of anger and strife and rivalries. Just quoting verses right now for you. And they're rooted in selfishness. Peacetakers are brutal. I remember when Jill and I and both of us were fairly new believers and I was kind of in my path towards going into ministry. We found ourselves uh, in a church, in a congregational meeting. Our first con- I didn't grow up with that church government growing up in the church. But our first congregational meeting, and we're sitting there, we're a little bit excited. Hey, what's going to happen here? Economy's going to be good. Whatever. It wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. All right? It was a disaster. I mean, I was in the congregational meeting, and people started standing up and spewing things at each other and fighting and venom. Was all, and Joe and I were sitting there. We were devastated. 
We're like, what is this? Like fairly new believers and be like, this isn't the fruit of the Spirit. This is anti-Spirit. This is, this is attacking one another. What is happening? And this, it was awful. Very disheartening. Of course, God wastes nothing until they see that is not of the Holy Spirit. That is, that is completely peacetakers. The lowest common denominator trying to ruin the church that Jesus Christ, again, is situated within. That was such a telling time and, again, not very encouraging. What's a, such an important insight here, too, right? If we have a strong tendency towards being a peacetaker... If our pattern is more disturbing the peace than being promoters of peace, here's what we have to understand, okay? If that's our pattern in life, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. If that's our pattern. And again, I'm praying there'll be enough humility right now for us to admit if this is kind of the path we take most often. What, 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 what peacetakers tend to do and disturbers of the peace is they tend to blame everyone else. Well, this is what sin does. They blame everyone else around them, and they're always justifying their behavior because someone else did something against them. And there's hardly ever, if ever, any accountability for themselves and the sin that reigns within that is actually ruining their life, heart, and affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. If that would be the pattern that we would admit is happening, then my recommendation is you leave verse 9 right now and go back to verse 3 and then move very slowly from there. Because what happened is the Beatitudes are in chronological order for a reason. Uh, peacemakers come from those who are pure in heart and those who are merciful and those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness and those who are meek and those who are mourned and those who are poor in spirit. Peacemakers don't just come up by themselves but go back to verse 3 and say, am I poor in spirit? Am I mourning over personal sin? Do I desire meekness? Am I hunger and thirsting for righteousness? Because when that is real, then inevitably the fruit grows from the Beatitudes leading into the merciful and those who desire to make peace with their lives. Also right now, if you find this is more your pattern of peacetaking and disturber of the peace, and I've pointed that out right now, and something's wrong within, if you're mad at me right now, that's further confirmation that you have a problem, okay? Because again, you're trying to blame other people as opposed to taking responsibility for the thing that's wrecking our hearts within and the thing that God wants to love you and grace you and forgive you with at his peace might be found in you, and then his peace might be seen from you as well. If you've been part of our church for any period of time, you know how I love to be clear as possible. Notice Jesus, he just, sometimes we miss the obvious. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. Not blessed are the peacetakers. Those who are blessed are those who make peace. This is obvious, let me just point out though. Those who take peace will not be blessed. It's amazing. Sometimes we're like, no, 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 I'm going to disturb the peace, but I'll be blessed. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, no, I will. No, you won't. No, you won't. There, there's just no way. Peacetaking's never blessed. Uh, going around creating divisions, never blessed. Gossiping's never blessed. Sin's never, it's never, ever, ever blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That's really interesting too, eh? What does it mean the peacemakers will be called sons of God? It means this, okay? It means those who spread peace in the gospel 
those who spread peace relationally in the name of Jesus Christ, they are taking on the attributes of the father they belong to. You know the phrase like father, like son? Hey, he's the chip off the old block. That's what's happening here. Those who make peace in Christ with others are acting like their father. They are acting like the one they have been conceived from. Born again, new creations, disciples of Christ, transformed into the image. The more we are transformed into Jesus, the more we spread peace from our lives like father, like son. One of the ways we know we're really growing in Christ is we see more peace coming from our lives. Here's a great application too, I think, for today. Think of all the family events today and tomorrow and this weekend. How can the Holy Spirit move in your life maybe to, like, literally this afternoon to be a peacemaker in the situations you find yourself in? I'm a human being, man, so I know there's a lot of stuff that happens in families, right? I got my own situations. The complexity, the difficulty, the relational, whatever it is. How can you and I be used today or tomorrow to make peace because we love Jesus Christ and because of what he's done for us. Just don't want to rush. I want to give time for the Holy Spirit to apply. Listen, listen. If we respond in obedience to being peacemakers, here's the guarantee. Blessing. The guarantee is blessing. Robbie, it's hard, I know. Christ promises Blessing. Rob, you the situation, the difficulties, trust me, I know. He promises blessing. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they act out the reality that they are adopted as sons and daughters of, of God. Here's the second thing we see today in our message. The blessing of God is guaranteed for those who, changing gears a bit, who suffer persecution. The blessing of God is for those who suffer persecution. So look at verse 10 now. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. So I want us to see here, and I need us to confirm without a doubt, for the believer in Jesus Christ, if you look at these verses right in front of us today, for the believer in Jesus Christ, persecution is a good sign. It's so weird to say such things, and yet it's so biblical. In fact, one of the ways that we know we're truly saved in Jesus Christ is there will be opposition to the light that is shining from our lives at times. You're reading the same Bible I am, right? right? I want you to see right here, just showing every verse we're going through right now, right? Jesus is not ambiguous. He says, the life I bless, the life that I favor, the life of purpose, the life of fulfillment, I mean, strangely so, the life of happiness is the life that will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Let me point out, too, this truth is not often found within popular best-selling Christian books. It never seems to make into the servants of the prosperity preachers or those who are obsessed with kind of feel-good, self-esteem authors. Why doesn't it make it into those sermons and into those best-selling books? Most often, 
is because it doesn't sell. This doesn't sell. Verse 11 or verse 10 and 12, it doesn't sell, man. Oh, the world wants to hear. Blessed are the persecuted. They want to hear the opposite of that. But notice, it made it into Jesus' sermon, and it made it into his book several times over. Categorically speaking, persecution guarantees blessing in Jesus' name. So strange. Upside down kingdom, man. This is the way, again, Jesus teaches us. And just say it's so backwards what the world says. But notice, this is very important, okay? Blessed are the persecuted. doesn't stop there, though. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Look at your Bible. Does it say there? Who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Very, very important, okay? So this is not blessed are those who are persecuted for being a jerk. It's not blessed are those who are persecuted for being a fanatical legalist. It's not about being persecuted for smashing people in the head with your Bible. It's not being persecuted for sinful anger, sinful rage, or sinful self-righteousness raging against the culture that you live in. That's not what's being said here. It's being, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for Christ in them's sake. It's amazing to me how many people are dying on hills that Jesus is not dying on. They rush the hill. Let's go over the... And Jesus is like, I'm not with you, man. Like, I never said I'm doing that. I'm dying on these hills here in my word. Those are the hills I'm dying on. And they're like, we're going over here. And they take the name of Christ with them, and Christ isn't with them himself. And they go off in their own parade or whatever it is and trying to justify their own passions and stuff. And meanwhile, Jesus is back here remaining true exactly to what he said in his word. And wisdom says, I'm not going to die in hills that Jesus is not dying on, but I will die in every single hill that Jesus himself is choosing to die on. So rather, persecution is blessed when it is looking like, living like, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What does that look like in our day? So many different things, but at its base and foundation, it's we will, in this church, Lord willing, God help us, 100% stand for the truth that is found in the word of God. Not beyond it, in it. 100%. That is so important. If we are persecuted for the truth in the word of God, for righteousness' sake, so be it. As many, many, many have before us, and generation after generation, and many have lost their lives for the sake of the truth in the Bible, we are with them. But it's not just the truth, it's grace with the truth as well persecuted for the love of Christ, for the grace that is found in seeing this truth go forward, and the humility and the mercy to be shown and the love of Christ. If we're persecuted for that type of righteousness, so be it as well. This is what we are all called to do if we're genuinely living in the character and the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ. Now notice what Jesus unfolds now. It's going to be on the screen beside me, behind me here. How will this persecution come according to our text? Well, first of all, notice we will experience reviling and evil. It's right there in our text, verse 11. Notice Jesus is setting very clear expectations. Church, again, I'm just trying to preach exactly what's in front of us here in the Word. So verse 11, he says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. So let's ask this question, okay? Let's say you're new to the Christian faith. Let's say you're just new to discipleship. And you had to base expectations of the Christian life on verse 11. What would you come up with? If you had verse 11, and we do today, it's before us right now, and you had expectations for your genuine life in Christ, what should you expect based on verse 11? Well, it's pretty straightforward. You should expect difficulty. You should expect at times, not always, but at times there'll be opposition. And obviously we should expect at times there's going to be persecution. 
Notice in our text, too, persecution here isn't even stated as physical. That's legit. I mean, Christians being persecuted physically over the course of time. This is verbal, though. The persecution listed here is verbal. When they revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you is what Jesus says. Again, what's so important for discipleship. We're kind of coming out of, well, I hope we are, but maybe we're not at all. But there's been so much easy believism in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years in so many pockets of Christianity. There's been all this stuff about Jesus died, so your life is happy, and you're healthy, and you're wealthy. Like, it's just so not in the Bible. That is so not true. Like, but we're led to believe it's this mixture of the world's ways, and then we kind of throw in some Christianese in here, and then we're all there together, and let's all be happy and live the lives that we want to live. It's not even rooted in the Scriptures. What's so important for true, genuine Christianity is align your expectations with what the Bible actually teaches. Right? I've said that so many times, but I say it again and again. You're new to the Christian faith. This is love to you. Expectations are a massive part of life. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be hard. It's going to be eternal. There's going to be some cost. It's going to be a joy you never thought possible. But this is going to come with opposition and difficulty. It's not going to be the most popular path to take, but it will be the path of ultimate, again, victory over sin, death, and seeing Jesus Christ face to face for all of eternity. The road is narrow, but the road is blessed. The road is hard. The hill is steep. But, man, the outcome is absolutely worth it. These are the expectations. And again, when Jesus says here, you will be reviled and all kinds of evil uttered against you, it's amazing to me. We all are living in the same society right now. If you and I are genuine, orthodox, evangelical, Bible-believing Christ followers, there's a lot of labels being tacked on us now that weren't tacked 20 years ago. There's a lot of them just by being orthodox and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Falsely on my account, bigot, falsely homophobic, falsely, misogynistic, falsely on my account for believing in the truth of God. That's happening all, you know it, I know it, every day. It's getting closer to home now. We're all starting to sense and see, but again, should we be surprised? I just think we've been living in somewhat a false reality for so many decades maybe, or at least out of the norm where the majority of Christianity has been dealing with this stuff from the very beginning. So maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're new to the Christian faith. Again, maybe you're seeking Christ. Jesus says here today, he says here, I said it it again, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. So so if you're going to follow Christ and you think, man, following Jesus is uh, sitting by the pool in a pool chair, and I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt, and I've got my sunglasses on, the sun is shining, sipping a fruity drink, if that's your idea of Christianity, you've been misled, bro. You've been sadly misled. That is not it at all. Narrow, hard, awesome. Difficult, opposed, joy. Cost, sacrifice, everlasting life. You have signed up for him and that which grants you forgiveness of sin, victory over death, and eternal life again with Jesus Christ forever. Suffer now, honored forever. So listen carefully. I want to be sure to this to you, okay? I know some tough stuff's in here. I'm just trying to be faithful to what Jesus has said. We're not looking for people to revile us. It's the last thing I want. I'm not looking for people 
to revile us or speak evil against us. However, on the other hand, let's not be surprised when it happens. According to this text, Jesus says you are actually blessed when it does. You are blessed. I think now and obviously in the time and reward to come. Young people, all people, but young people here today, okay? Notice what's happening. I love pointing out the obvious. Jesus right now is giving you a roadmap. There's no bait and switch here. He's not like, hey, come believe in me. Everything's going to be great. All of a sudden it gets hard. No, no. Right from the very beginning, Jesus is like, you follow me, eternal life, but you follow me, it's going to be a bumpy road. He gives the roadmap. There's going to be steep hills. There's going to be detractors. There's going to be people who oppose. There's going to be a hard climb. It's going to be a tough road. He's not trying to trick us. He's trying to prepare us. If you choose to genuinely follow me, you understand I am the treasure of the universe. I'm the only one who grants everlasting life. But from now until everlasting life, the road at times will be very difficult. Young people, see what's in front of you. He did not promise you ease. He did not promise you popularity. He did not promise you everything's going to be good all the time. But he promised you himself. And he promised you blessing. And he promised you fulfillment. And he promised you happiness in him. And he promised you peace, eternal peace that only he can give. And those who truly see Jesus Christ, those are the ones that rejoice. They rejoice in how awesome Jesus is. And they say, whatever it takes, he's worth it. That's discipleship. But the path there is tough. So when I first got saved, man, I was... Man, I was just on fire for Jesus Christ and just unbelievable. Just everyone I talked to, I had to tell. And, and I found myself, again, in the early days of being saved, I was in a campus bar of all places, and I was talking about Jesus to some friends. I said, anyone I was there, places I used to hang out, whatever. And the campus bar, I remember this one friend, she said to me as I was sharing about Christ, whatever, and she just said to me, she goes, I like the old Robbie better. And I said, well, he's dead. And, um, and but I also said now now why why did she say that right what's happening there she was she was she was a really nice person she said that because the old Robbie joined in the sin and the old Robbie approved of the darkness but now the new Robbie had light by grace all by grace of God but I was now a new creation. I now had the Holy Spirit. I was now born again. I was adopted as a son of God. Now I had the light of Christ in my life. And the light was confronting the darkness in that conversation. And the light makes the darkness very uncomfortable. And the darkness hates the light. Hence, I want the old Robbie back because your light is confronting my sin. And sin doesn't want to be exposed. That's what's happening when we're engaging in the spiritual reality with people around us. That's why it's so uncomfortable at times and awkward and difficult. There's a spiritual battle going on. Every six months or so, I want to point to you this verse from John chapter 3. I want you to see it. I believe it's so fundamental to our discipleship and the world that we live in. Look at what Jesus explains to us in this context. He says, this is the judgment. The light Christ has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. When you love sin... You don't want light to shine on your sin. When you live for sin and self, 
Anything that exposes that, you hate. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. Christ is the light of the world. This is why some, when they see the light and they say he is life, they run to him. Others, they see the light, exposes their sin. They don't want to give up their sin. They hate him to the point that they kill him. But you can't stop him. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But the darkness hates the light. See, this explains right now all that we are confronted with and all that's going on in our lives as we genuinely seek to be, even next week, Matthew 5, light of the world, Jesus will say, awesome. Looking forward to that already. But what are we learning here that we must expect and we will experience reviling and evil? By the way, too, let me just say this too, okay? If we are a professing believer in Jesus Christ, and month after month, year after year, and year after year, there is no, like, zero persecution coming against us, that's a problem. Remember, I read a story this week, a young man, he went, to, went away to university, and his parents were concerned about his Christian faith and how he'd do, and he comes back home, and they say, how'd it go, man, how'd you go? He goes, oh, it was great, he's great, I never told anyone I was, I was, a, I was a believer. And everything was fine, I didn't let anyone know I was a Christian. Well, that's one way to do it. But that's doing nothing. Here's a great question, eh? So you're here in church and, and say you love Jesus and stuff. Do people in your life know that you're a Christ follower? That's the start, isn't it? Do people even know? Do they know that you love Jesus? Do they know that he's the most important person in your entire life? Do they know that you believe he's set you free from your sins? Do they even know that you are, at the end of the day, more important than anything else in your entire life, that you follow Christ? That's a convicting question because I've been in all those conversations too where I have the opportunity to state my identity and you can easily just cover it up and kind of go into the background and move on. If there's no persecution, Jesus says in Luke 6, a beatitude kind of similarities, he says, woe to you when all people think well of you. And that's what our world wants to be liked by everyone. Jesus says that's not, that's not how it works. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake when they revile and speak all kinds of evil against you, for your reward is great in heaven. So all kinds of evil against us. So we, we must endure antichrist. Secondly, we must see this. We must endure antichrist hostility. Look at verse 11. It says, and utter all kinds of evil falsely on my account, Jesus says, on my account. I don't have time to unpack this in detail. I just want us to ask this question. As we look at the Bible and what it's teaching, our eschatology study of end times, do we expect things to get better or worse? I wonder how you kind of frame that. I, I agree that. I heard some people say that. I agree as I look at what the Bible teaches. Not everyone will, but I agree. It's hard to see all these passages and expect things to get better. I believe we're nearing the end. I, I'm not for a second trying to suggest, again, some kind of day where I'm not that stupid. I'm just saying that you look at all the different things that are happening, news as recently as this weekend and the world that we live in and all the chaos and craziness that's happening around us, I think it's unprecedented in this way. 
me. We're losing our minds. We're going insane. Everything around us is happening. There's this gigantic spiritual war that is raging in the spiritual realm. Satan is trying to pull every stop he has to destroy, to deceive, to send people into destruction. There's this massively growing antichrist flavor. It all seems to be rooted on Jesus Christ. John Stott, puts it this way according to the verse. He said this, we shouldn't be surprised if anti-Christian hostility increases. We should be surprised if it doesn't. I agree with that. When I read the Bible, I don't think we should be surprised when anti-Christ stuff happens. I think we should be surprised when it doesn't happen. Because again of the passages that we have before us and just the reality of what's going on. I'm not trying to discourage us, church, okay? I'm trying to prepare us. Just trying to be faithful to what Jesus has said to. The more we're prepared, the more we're ready to persevere too. The Christians who are not prepared, they get, they get tossed, man. Tossed every wave. They get thrown overboard and they don't make it. But those who are prepared and ready, who are discipled and who are mature, who are grounded in the word, they're ready to fight the good fight. Just some perspective too, right, for us. Sometimes in our, in our Western world, we can get so focused and look down our navels and we're just kind of seeking, you know, the stuff we're doing, our little bank accounts, our little cars, our little homes, our little lives, whatever. But let's get a little bit of perspective here. Since Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, over 43 million Christians have died for their faith. Estimated. Every day we live, more than 360 million Christians face persecution, some kind of serious or severe form. 360 million, several times the population of this entire country. In 2019, some stats, about 3,000 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons. Just for following Jesus Christ. 3,700 Christians were detained without trial, imprisoned, sentenced. 9,500 churches Christian buildings were attacked, burned, or destroyed. It's just good to get perspective, right? Because, like, they're reading Matthew 5, 10, and 12, and they're like, for sure, man. Like, it's real. Because, again, the battle of what's happening of light and darkness. So, so there's, 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 I believe, an anti-Christ hostility that is growing. However, again, then notice how Jesus ends here. Look at, look at verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Rejoice and be glad. Amazing. Rejoice and be glad is physically demonstrating a joy. You're so overcome with joy, it physically takes over and you leap and jump for joy. Why? Because you're so glad about your reward that is great in heaven. Church, I keep, I keep trying to implore you how much the Bible talks about the return of Christ. How much the Bible talks about the reward to come. Every verse right now, every verse. Live for what is to come. Live for what will be. This is the whole point. Joy over the reward. Again, cost now, Christ forever. The reward that is Christ all over Scripture. John Christentum was a church father and used many, many centuries ago. He was summoned before Emperor Arcadius and he was threatened banishment unless he stopped preaching the gospel But he replied as one who knew his reward was in heaven. He said to the emperor, he said, Sire, you cannot banish me, for the world is my father's house. The emperor said, then I will kill you. He says, no, you cannot. My life is hid with Christ in God. He says, then I will confiscate your treasures. He says, you can't do that either. My treasures are in heaven where none can break through and steal. He says, and I will drive you from man, and you will have no friends left. He says, you can't do that either, for I have a friend in heaven who has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Good for him. I mean, that, that, that is a man who understands 
the reward that is to come. The power of living for the reward in Christ allows you to let go of everything now here on earth. If you have everything in Jesus Christ, and we do, then there's nothing you need here and now, ultimately. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? If I have received everlasting life in Jesus Christ, then I have received everlasting life in Jesus Christ, and no one and nothing will ever be able to stop that. So that's why we sing then of the reward to come. Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, the Lord shall descend. And at that moment, we're like, let's go, right? I mean, that is what we are living for, and that is what Jesus says. You will be blessed in that moment eternally. God, help us to live more and more and more for him, and less and less and less for us and here and now. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, 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 tough stuff I know, tough stuff I know, but so good and so neat. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. Father, help us, help us, help us. Every beatitude is impossible on our own, but every beatitude is possible by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit. So we beg you for your grace and your spirit to help us live such truth. Man, there's so much to apply here. Do it, Lord. Do it. Do it. Do it. Holy Spirit, do it as only you can. I pray for peacemakers today, today, this weekend. I pray for the belief of blessing even within persecution for our lives that we live. Fill us with love and grace and humility and sacrifice. Fill us with truth and conviction and encouragement. Fill us with hope as we sing this song now. In Jesus' name, amen.